Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. So today is part two of two on our little reflection on hunger. Last week, I was talking about that precious moment when we come to humbly acknowledge that despite all the good things that we can do, all the incredible things that we can do as human beings, that ultimately we are powerlessness. And and I spoke about that awareness as the all-important spiritual awakening, an awakening that puts us in touch with our hunger for God and which opens us up to a greater source of life, a greater potential. This is really the logic of the gospel. St Paul probably puts it best that I know that when I'm weak, I am strong. What he's saying is that as I learn to embrace my limits in faith, I discover through them a true and a lasting strength. The logic of the gospel. We see another example of it today in the first reading with the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah, like many of the prophets, he was being harassed by those around him. I'm not sure how you react when people uh, treat you unjustly, when people persecute you, but like so many uh, people of great faith, Jeremiah uses this opportunity to reaffirm His confidence in God. He says, in the midst of his pain and suffering, he says, But the Lord is at my side, a mighty hero. My opponents, they will stumble. They'll be mastered. They'll be confounded by their failure. Then Jeremiah goes on to give the reason for his confidence. He says, Lord, let me see the vengeance you will take on them, for I have committed my cause to you. That's the secret. I've committed my cause to you. You see, Jeremiah, he also had confronted his powerlessness, but but through that, he came to recognise his hunger for God. And he, in that awareness... He'd come to make a decision, a commitment to turn his life towards God, to commit his ways to God. He came to recognise that God was the ultimate value of his life. And so he'd committed his cause to the Lord. It was that choice that inspired this confidence in Jeremiah. Last week I spoke about uh, a little bit about the importance of this spiritual hunger that inspires confidence in us, that, that is the access point to, to, to the life of God. And I also mentioned a little bit about how we can uh, start to foster this hunger in our life. Today, I want to focus on 
how we can remain hungry. It's one thing to uh, get a burst of hunger, but it's another thing to remain hungry in our day-to-day lives. I'm sure we've all had moments in our lives where we've, uh, our hearts have really turned towards God and we've, we've, we've recognised uh, this new desire, this new hunger for God. But, but, but then maybe, as can so often happen, maybe we then become a little bit comfortable Or maybe we become a little bit confident in ourselves. Or maybe we become a little bit consumed with all the worries and the responsibilities of life. And and we slowly kind of lose touch with that hunger, don't we? We lose touch with that powerlessness. Today I want to talk about one everyday Thing that all of us can do that will help us to remain hungry. And that is simply to worship. I don't know what you think about when you hear the word worship. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that you're probably thinking of these guys over here singing worship songs. Uh, or maybe you're thinking about coming to church, coming to Mass. That's where you worship. And that's true. That is an expression of worship. But worship is so much more of that. For for a Christian, the heart of worship really is all about ascribing our ultimate value, the ultimate hunger of our hearts to God. That's what worship's about. Assigning our value, our ultimate value, onto God. You see, we all worship something whether we realise it or not. If we don't worship God, there will be something else that we place our ultimate value in. You know, somewhere in our consciousness, we think to ourselves, as long as I have this thing or this person, I'll be happy. I'll be okay. I'll be secure. It could be one of many, many things. Maybe it's your work. Or maybe it's a certain relationship. Or or maybe it's having certain possessions or financial security. Or maybe it's um, sporting achievement. Or or, uh, physical fitness or looks. Uh, Whatever it may be. Whatever it is that we, we place our hope in, that thing will ultimately become the Lord of our lives and will control us, whether we're prepared to accept that or not. But as we start to uh, encounter the other Lord, the Lord Jesus, as, as we start to discover our hunger for him, we realise that what Jesus says in the gospel so many times and in so many different ways is actually really true. That as long as we try and feel this hunger feel this, this, this need for hope with anything other than God, we will ultimately be disappointed. You see, everything apart from God will ultimately fail us, will leave us deeply dissatisfied. And in our heart of hearts, we know that. We know it. But for some reason, we... <laughs> 
we don't like to acknowledge it or we, we continue to live as if it's not true. But deep down we know it. We know it's true. As we sang earlier, only God's love is everlasting. Only God's love is relentless, is unstoppable, which of course is, is the message of the cross. Even when we fail God, he forgives us. He gives us another chance. Jesus says today in the gospel, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Fear him rather who can destroy both body and soul in hell. What Jesus is saying is, you know, there's so many things that we fear in life, right? But he's saying what you really need to fear are those false gods, those false hopes that take your hunger away from the living God. That's what you really need to fear. He goes on, If anyone declares himself for me, if anyone puts their ultimate value in me, I will declare myself for him in the presence of my Father. I will uh, make sure that he accesses the full life of God. Then Jesus goes on, but if, if, if one disowns me in the presence of men, if one uh, turns their heart away from me, puts their value in other things, in other gods, then I will disown them in the presence of my Father in heaven. It sounds like Jesus is saying here that I will reject them. I don't think that's what he's saying. I, I think he, he, he's sort of pointing to the fact that when we turn our hearts away from our true hope, then we disown ourselves. We turn ourselves away from the kingdom of God, from the potential that we can only find in God. You see, we all worship something. We're either in one or two categories. We're worshipping something that distorts our life or something that turns us towards the one who makes our life worthwhile. That's why our practice of worship is so important. It is the greatest spiritual weapon we have. Every time we worship, what we're doing is we're transferring our ultimate value from whatever it's on to God. That's what's happening when we come to church. We're identifying, oh God, I've got my hope in all these kinds of things, but I'm now deciding to transfer it back to you. And some of us are blessed. I've got some, some holy women here, you can't see them on camera, but you know, they can just fall into worship at the drop of a hat, you know. Their hearts are just straight, they're connected with God. I'm sure there are some on this side that can do that too, <laughs> and some at home. But, but for many of us, perhaps for most of us, worship doesn't happen that easily. It's more of a discipline. It's something that we need to grow in. The best example I've heard uh, is of a woman who... Uh, she was cleaning out her drawers one day and she found this old brooch in her drawer and it had been there for years. It was her grandma's grandma's grandma or something like that. And, and uh, she was cleaning things out. She thought, before I throw this old brooch out, I'll, I'll go get it checked just in case it's valuable. So she takes it to the jeweller and, and the jeweller, he gets his magnifying glass and he starts looking at the, uh, 
the cut and the clarity and the colour and the weight and all the things that jewellers do. And as he starts to examine this brooch, he recognises that it's actually full of very, very precious stones. And you can imagine as he realises that, his whole disposition starts to change. He realises how valuable this thing is. And the woman, when she realises what it's worth, you know, she starts to value this thing in a way that she, of course, never had before. That's kind of what happens when we worship. You see, for most of us, worship begins as a, a, a kind of rational process where we examine. We examine God. We uh, consider who God is for us, what God has done for us, the extent to which God values us, as Jesus says today in the Gospel, that he's counted every hair in your head. We think about all that. We think about everything that God has given us. We think about our talents, our opportunities, all the experiences that we've had. We think about the beauty of creation. And as we examine all of that, it dawns on us, just like it dawned on the jeweller. Whoa, the value of God. Our hunger starts to be provoked for the things of God. Every time we worship, every time we take the focus off ourselves, every time we take the focus off our other gods and we place them on the everlasting God, our lives become more valuable. Just like the woman who started to treat that brooch differently, we start to treat our lives differently. We start to look to God differently. We start to hunger for God more because we realise the value of what we have. And as we start to live according to that value, our lives are transformed. The power of worship. Worship transforms us. It's the greatest spiritual weapon we have. And, you know, it happens in a very special way when we gather like this in a corporate setting. But we know, I'm sure, that this is not enough. We know five minutes after we leave, we start arguing. <laughs> Other gods start to sort of encroach on our hearts again. What we need to do is to foster a heart of worship. I was playing golf this week with some of the, the guys in our, our parish and uh, we're having a little break at the ninth hole. I was playing with a few of the seniors, you know, they need a break, the seniors. And, uh, and uh, at one point, um, John Borg, many of you would know, he was, he was looking up at the sky, it was a cloudy day, and he says, look how fluffy the clouds are. And as I observed John looking at the clouds, I realised that this, this wasn't just a moment where John was kind of interested in the clouds, but this was a moment of worship for him. You see, the clouds had captured his heart. They'd helped him to recognise the beauty of God. They'd taken him to another place. Through the clouds, something as simple as the clouds, his heart had become connected with God's. And as a result, mine then did as I started looking at the clouds. You see, each and every day, we can do the same thing as John. There are so many things in our everyday life that can turn our hearts to worship, that can provoke our hunger for God if 
if we look at them for long enough. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.